0: Welcome back, listeners, to this week's episode of The New Standard. It's glad to be back after the bye week. I've got a fresh new cut, you know, to kind of come back and be camera ready. We got Neil to my left doing his thing. Welcome, Neil, back to the show. Glad to have you back. It's
1: always great to be here. I have a haircut as well, but I've been up running around all day and worked out and don't want to... uh... Didn't want to take a shower afterwards. I'm gonna do it later. Yikes! Nice, nice. But you gotta work. Right. You gotta work it in the schedule that I'm on here. It, it's yes. next to impossible. So yes. yes, right when I sat down and turned the lights on, I realized I'm probably casting an ungodly shadow of light toward the audience. So I apologize for that in advance, but. Again, this is just what you get, you know.
0: <laughs> nice and right. I'm not putting on airs. okay?
1: That, that's not my thing at all.
0: We're not in the NFL studio, so to speak, I see. Indeed, indeed. This is free
1: swag I got from uh, from back working the, at the Metrodome back in the day. Um, this was like a Christmas bonus. The stuff they give you. I, I had all kinds of shirts at one point. Early dry fit stuff before it was like, you know, on sale everywhere. You get it from the NFL players. They would leave stuff in their locker, and usually um, the the, uh, the team operations people would pick it all up. They'd wash it and then give it away to crew uh, who worked whatever game they were at. I had um, Antonio Garay, if you remember him, from uh, the old San Diego Chargers, mid-2000s, big defensive lineman. Um I I, big, it's a dry fit shirt with nothing. It's pure white, but a charger's bolt across the front of it. And it was grays. I'm not joking. It was like five XL. I swam in that thing. (laughs) So I washed it over a period of 15 years and grew myself. Now it kind of looks like a really big shirt on me, but a lot of stuff like that. This is, this is one of the holdovers. This is a good
0: fall night shirt. Breathes well
1: carries. Well, this is in fact, this is probably what I'm wearing. taking my kid around for Halloween on Sunday.
0: Nice, nice. Before we hop into the show, let's give a big shout out to show sponsor, uh, to the show sponsors of a particular program. And uh, I want to give a shout out to my cousin's apparel company, High Bar Apparel, as well. If you want to interact with the program, subscribe to the show. The show is available on all podcast platforms and the show is available as always on YouTube. Do a search for the new standard. Before we jump into the hot topic that just popped up in the last few days, and I was absolutely laughing when I saw Mike Tomlin. Before we get Neil's thoughts on it, when I saw Mike Tomlin absolutely just go, uh, he got really pissed. That was one of the most animated I've seen, Tomlin. Uh, But before we jump into that, and and I get your thoughts on that. Jump into the injury report real quick for the game coming up between the Steelers and the Browns, big divisional ball game this Sunday.
1: It is a big division game. Indeed, Lance, we've got a tale of, of two teams in this one, as far as their injury reports go. And if you got a point per player injured, it looks like the Browns are winning this game in, in pretty convincing fashion. Uh, most of their team is on the injury report from what I can see here. Uh, the team that matters though, the Steelers, um it, it this is from um god i'm totally blanking i'm not used to doing this on a wednesday lance this is from wednesday's practice report uh today uh ben roethlisberger was limited with the same pec and hip injury that he's had a new one but in a familiar injury melvin ingram is on it uh limited in practice with of course a groin injury go figure that bulky. Groin is being passed around the locker room. Apparently, that sounded a lot worse out loud than it did in my head. Yes, um, Chase Claypool is still limited with that hamstring injury. Anthony McFarland, a blast from the past, you might remember him from uh, activity from last season, has not played yet this year. He has been activated off of injured reserve. Uh, was listed as uh, a full participant in practice with the knee injury that's kept him out so far this season. Same thing for Mark Madden's favorite offensive lineman, Zach Banner. It sounds like both of those players will play this weekend against the mighty Cleveland Browns. Um, I'm not going to get into status reports for every player. The ones the Browns missed in practice, Jadavian Clowney, Malik Jackson, Richard LeCount, Jarvis Landry, Donovan People Peoples-Jones, and Denzel Ward missed practice. Somehow or other, Baker Mayfield was limited in practice. I, I have some experience with the injury that Mayfield has. I don't see there's a way in the world he's going to be able to play. Uh, they're selling it pretty well, though. Uh, he was limited in practice, uh, notable outside of him. Odell Beckham, Nick Chubb, Jack Conklin, AJ Green is on here. Not the same AJ Green I thought for a second. Uh, Jedrick Wills, and that's about the, the uh, notable ones. Are all limited leading into this uh, this weekend's game, going into Thursday's practice, leading into this weekend's game. So you know
0: the most significant ooh. injuries on that list, obviously are Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb. And we'll talk about those injuries and how they may impact the game a little bit later in the show. But let's start with the news about Mike Tomlin and his press conference. And I don't consume much sports news from ESPN, the NFL Network, and Twitter. You know, I kind of just read it for myself. I don't, I don't really follow First Take or any of those type of shows because, you know, individuals like yourself, you know, my dad, other people that I know that have been in the media. I've I've been kind of trained to try to disassociate myself from that and just consume the information and, and just come up with my own opinions about it. I feel like I'm intelligent enough to do that. And when my brother called me in Pittsburgh and asked me about what are your thoughts about USC saying that Mike Tomlin is its first choice to be head coach, my response was, well, my first choice is Pizza over tacos. <laughs> Meaning, what does that matter? Who cares? Who cares if they're his first choice or 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 the USC is his first choice, or they're his first choice. Who cares? Who cares if USC wants to hire Mike Tomlin? Last time I checked, it would take Mike Tomlin wanting to coach USC. Or any college job. And the other thing, I've learned enough and I've talked to enough people, players, guys in the media like yourself, that, I mean, once you get an NFL head coaching job, particularly one like the Steelers, you don't want to coach college. I mean, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. So when I heard it, I just thought, well, you know, I like pizza more than tacos. I mean, who cares? Who cares if SC wants to hire Tomlin? That doesn't matter at all. It matters nothing. But what I wanted to get from you, from your perspective, Neil, is how does this get reported? How does a story like this, to me, that is nonsensical, get life? Because who cares what SC says? It doesn't matter. SC could say Nick Saban is their number one candidate. They could say anything, and none of it (laughs) matters unless the candidate Wants to coach USC. And by the way, as a Cal grad, USC sucks. USC is down now at this point. USC is not the job that USC thinks it is. USC oh. gets beat up all the time by Oregon. They get beat up by Stanford. They, well, they beat us all the time, but that's nothing. But USC isn't the job that they think it is anymore. I mean, the victory, the V that they no one cares about USC anymore. So, Neil, what's your thoughts on this? How, how does this take life and, and get flight, and how does this become a story? Because this seems ridiculous to me.
1: You used the the interesting word in all this before. Report. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I've ranted about the concept behind a report and what reporting is in this this segment at, at some point or other. But I'm going to do it again. A report is something that is filed. Uh, typically with a media organization or nowadays social media from somebody either in media or acting on, on the behalf of media, that is newsworthy, that is factually based, uh, corroborated from a source. Okay. That's a news report. Carson Palmer is not a reporter. Carson Palmer does not report anything. Neither does Ryan Clark. Neither does Doug Whaley. Okay, these people are opinion makers. They are doing the exact same thing Lance and I are doing. We're not reporting news. Right now, what I am giving you is my opinion. My opinion on this topic is based on a lot of things, none of which are access to USC or to Mike Tomlin. I wanna to be very clear about that up front. This is something Ryan Clark does not do and it drives me nuts. Because now Ryan Clark can back away from the whole thing as if he wasn't a part of it. And he tried doing that today. Bullshit. It, it's completely false of him to act as if he did not suggest that Mike Tomlin's name was floating around USC's uh, you know, want list of their coach. You know what? I bet USC wants Mike Tomlin to be their coach. I can give you 14 seasons worth of reasons why USC wants Mike Tomlin as their coach. There is no way in hell Mike Tomlin is coaching USC, okay? Mike Tomlin knows that. USC knows that. Everybody, with the exception of whoever it is that's associated with the USC program, that wants to tell everybody, this is how big our search is. This is how big our profile is. We can attract Mike Tomlin. Bullshit. You cannot. Okay. You're not even close and to he the says, conversation. And he, college coaches go up to the NFL. NFL coaches go down to college. It that doesn't change. Okay. Nobody cares about the USC job. That's been open what three times in the last five years? Didn't they fire Lane Kiffin on the way back to the plane once? Yes. Nobody cares about the USC job. Certainly not Mike Tomlin. He's got two Super Bowl rings, one is a head coach. He's got 14 years without a losing record in the NFL. He is easily one of the most respected members of the NFL coaching circle. He's been on the competition committee for a decade. He should be spending more of his time figuring out why it is that we care so much about taunting all of a sudden and far less time wondering why USC wants to mooch off his name to drum up the appeal of their own coaching search. Okay. Cause you know, who's a legitimate candidate for that job? Jeff Fisher. I don't even remember the last time Jeff Fisher was the coach of a team. No clue. No clue. He's the kind of NFL coach the USC has going to attract. And a huge part yeah, of that is because
0: actually, he's from USC. That's and he it. played with Ronnie Lott when he was at SC.
1: Exactly. Jeff Fisher was a professional football player. I have a real tough time remembering that. Those shots of him and Bill Cower going after each other are always fun. I went off tangent as far as Ryan Clark goes, and I want to get into this because he basically went after one of my colleagues, Tim Benz, a guy that does work for me on, on the NFL Wire Network saying that Ben's, who is the guy who asked Tomlin the question, Tim did his job as a reporter. He asked a question. I guarantee you, Tim knew that Tomlin was going to freak out when he asked him, he had to ask it. It's it's the elephant in the room. Nobody else in the room was going to ask it. Tim asks Tomlin at the end about the, the rumors that you're connected with the USC job, really just throwing Tomlin a softball and hoping the line drive doesn't hit him off the knee that that's, that's what it was. Tomlin wasn't mad at Ben's for saying it for asking the question or maybe he was, but it's not a personal thing. Tomlin doesn't want to have to answer that because Tomlin does not think anything of that. Tomlin had nothing to do with it. It's people associated with USC that are using his name to drum up the personality of their job. That's it. Okay. I, I don't know that as fact, but it's a fact. All right. Never say never, but never <laughs> same thing. Okay. Yes. To suggest that the media are going after Tomlin in this regard to suggest that they are implying something racial in all of this is absolutely ridiculous. Okay. If anything it is a compliment to Tomlin, the Tomlin is that big of a deal. They have to use his name to make their job seem more appealing. Okay. That that's great for Tomlin. That's just life in the city, I guess nowadays for USC, but for Ryan Clark to mention, not just USC, he also brought up LSU. Now, Clark, an LSU alum, at least I think he graduated from LSU, as an LSU alum, you you can see why somebody is going to ask Ryan Clark about that. Ryan Clark then propagating the same rumors that are going around about whoever in any position makes him involved with those rumors. He does not get to hide behind, well, somebody asked me, Lance, you just asked me that question. Everything I'm saying, I'm accountable for. I have to own that. I am putting that out for, for the world to see all 12 of you, I'm sure that are watching this right now, know how I feel about this, okay? I that don't get to hide seven, behind later. Eight, if somebody calls me out, I don't get to hide later and say, oh, Lance asked me. He's just asking for my opinion on it. No, you, that, that's not how it works, Ryan. And the fact that you were paid, for, don't ask me why, high six figures to be a talking head on a show and you have no sense of media accountability in what you do is an embarrassment to everybody who does this. So knock it off, okay? You're a part of it if you talk about it. If you want to tell everybody what you know to be true, there is no way Mike Tomlin is taking the USC job, go right on ahead. Stephen A did it. Why can't you do that? No, instead, you have to try to make this out to be something that it isn't. It, it's ridiculous. This whole thing has blown way out of proportion. And I'll, just, I'll, I'll finish this rant just by saying this. Mike Tomlin said it the best when he basically scoffed at the idea that USC is anywhere close to his level. He could not have insulted that program any more than he did. And I'm glad he did because the next program isn't going to try to use this man to further their own agenda. I'm very happy. He said what he said, because that's what should have happened. It's bullshit to try to suggest USC is on the level of the Steelers. No, you're nowhere close to that. You're not Not even a good team in your own conference. You're not a pro team. You're nowhere near that. The records show you didn't do anything. All right. So it, it, it's it's over. I promise you, no one's gonna ask Tomlin about this again, and nobody's gonna try to link him to a job again because he has the best job in sports. You can't have a better head coaching job than the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers.
0: I mean, hello, they've had three coaches in fifty-one years and Steelers Freak uh posted the quote, you can't write an amount on that blank check. You know I think what it was you know, no
1: alumnus can write an amount on his check.
0: Right. Which he, is even let, better. Let me just close it by saying this. You know, if SC wants Tomlin, you know, there's a couple of things that I want as well. And let me just list three of those, Neil, just for the (laughs) listeners. I want peace on Earth. Like Kyrie Irving, I want 380K to not play. And I want a cure for cancer. Those are my three things. Let me just throw those out there. And so now that we're just wishing for things, those are the three, three things I want. Peace on Earth. 380k per game to not play like Kyrie Irving and I want a cure for cancer. But let's move forward. And since we're coming off a of bye week, I was listening to a very good podcast by Robert Mays. I forget the name of the podcast on the Athletic and he was talking to Doug Peterson. And he was talking about some of the things that occur and happen on the bye week. Since we're coming off the bye week, I just wanted to see if we could we could dig into it. And I want to tap into your knowledge Neil of the Steelers when you were a reporter for them and and describe what the Steelers do in terms of self-scouting during the bye week. And do you think that will manifest itself into any schematic or philosophical changes prior to this Browns game?
1: Let me start off with this. I know that saying this before a Browns game probably is bad luck from this point on, but you often hear Tomlin say they're nameless gray faces when he did the yawning thing about Odell Beckham in in reference to having to go against him uh, twice a year, what he's saying about all of that is not to disrespect the opponent. It's to say, we have to focus on the things that we do. The other team is always good. Okay. It's, they're never bad. The other team is always good. I know we don't think that watching it. He might not even necessarily think that, but the reality is every team in the NFL has good players. They all get paid a lot of money and their coaches hang by a game-to-game level of job security to make sure that they win. It's not easy to win in the NFL. What teams are doing in the bye week is evaluating who they are, what they have done based on what they wanted to be by that point in the season. I would say uh, Pittsburgh primarily is, is going to look at uh, what they feel they've achieved in the run game versus what they thought they were going to be. Has this worked? Did this do well? Did this not do well? Um, I don't know the answers to those questions, mostly because I'm not sure if those are the right questions to ask. But generally speaking, that's the the type of philosophical thing that they're going to be looking at. They go back over the film. They evaluate each player. They're grading them. They're reviewing everything that they have to see where they are and what they have. Okay. Will that lead to any type of of structural or philosophical change? I don't know. Um, my gut would be, no, Tomlin doesn't do that a whole lot. If anything, this is the key. And why I say, I don't know, you're getting two players back, one starter and a key role player that could change the way that you want to do things. Not because you don't think that they worked, but because now you have the guys that you expected to have in week one back. So
0: So, in a sense, you may not have been able to actually evaluate it. Because you it it was never set up to evaluate because you didn't have your original complement of players to see what it really is, because you had more at the left tackle, you had some shuffling of the offensive line. So maybe before the bye week, you couldn't really assess it because you didn't have your personnel.
1: I think that's fair to say. And I I, I would say because of this, it's not because of Zach Banner. It's Zach Banner goes to left tackle. The left tackle, Chuke's core four goes to right tackle. That affects two players to their inside, your left guard and your right guard. We have to evaluate them different now because they're going to have a different player alongside them. That means to some degree, it, it washes down to the center as well. It, it goes over to the outside and the tight ends that you'll put on either side. What do all these things do to our ability to run the ball situationally? How are we doing in pass protection if we're changing these things up? In a way, you're getting a completely different team. With the, the changing of one tackle, in my opinion, that that's always the the fundamental piece to change is your tackle because it affects the most. If, if not your quarterback, then your offensive tackle affects the most players around them on the field. I, in my opinion, I've heard that before. The Steelers are doing that, not by by choice, really. They get Banner back. Banner was, I think, we can say fair to to uh, to have been the the starter from the beginning. He's the guy that they always wanted there, and really, and so the you, concept. So you think of, he's going to start?
0: He's, he's going oh, to yeah, start at the yeah. right tackle position. And I you're going to yeah. have Chooks
1: left. He starts at right. I think I got that backwards earlier, and I apologize. Um, Chooks of core four will go from um, right tackle to left tackle. And Zach Banner will start at right tackle, which is what the plan has been all offseason, provided Banner was going to be able to play. I know this. They did not want Dan Moore starting for the first six games of the season. And I think we saw why pretty clearly. Um, good for him. You know, he earned his hypercycloids. I'm, I'm happy He's a part of the team. He did his best. He got whipped, Um, not ready for not ready for the action that he got Uh, good for him for for getting out there and doing the best job that he could do. He'll he'll learn from it. He'll get better. They want the two tackles that they'll now have. So I think that will open up what if we want to talk about uh, schematics in this, Lance, I think what it might open the Steelers up to do is run more zone. They haven't run a whole lot of inside zone, or at the very least they've run a lot more gap than they've run anything else. I think they've wanted to run inside and outside zone. We have not seen really any outside zone. And I, I think Najee is the type of runner that that can succeed in that scheme if Even they have like the right guys guy. out there to do it. So we'll see. Uh, it may not just be in, in, in the first week with Z- with Banner in there either. It might not just be this, this Cleveland game uh, that shows it all. They're going to work toward it. Um, Banner's got to get his conditioning back. I'm sure he's been working on that. But as we've said a thousand times, um, you don't get better by, at playing football by not playing football. You've got to get in shape uh, banging pads inside against opponents, not teammates. So it, it, it'll come. I, I think we will see a better offensive line. That's going to be the biggest change, I think, if anything. Uh, and it might not be right away. I don't, I don't know if it's going to be consequential immediately in this first game.
0: Let's, let's, let's jump to some players after the bye week what players do you think will, will, will gain the most from the bye week You know, when I was thinking about that question, I was thinking on the defensive side, I, I think showbert and Devin Bush, I think can benefit from the time off, at least Bush f- physically showbert mentally and mentally and not so much physically, but mentally as well. Um, mm-hmm. On the offensive side, I'm thinking that, you know, Banner is the player that will uh, gain most significantly coming after the bye week. So now hopefully he's physically ready to jump into the role as the right tackle. What about James Washington? Um, Those are just some of the players just off the top of my head that I'm thinking may benefit, you know, maybe James Washington a week away from it. Maybe the offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, they can feel like, they can put him in some more advantageous positions uh, to succeed now that we know that Juju is not going to play for the rest of the year. So maybe those players benefit in, in terms of this bye week and having that time off. Uh, am I off there, or are there any some other players that you think may benefit from this time off?
1: I think every player benefits from from a bye week for obvious reasons. If the first person I'm thinking of when it comes to, to – you getting time off to, to rest, to, to heal, to recuperate. It's Cam Hayward. The the amount, not even Ben. No, Ben, Ben is a below average player at this point. I'm not even sure it matters if if Ben is out there as much as um, how about this? If Ben gets hurt, the drop-off is not that steep. If Cam Hayward goes down right now on this team, they're not winning a game. Okay. They're, they're not going to, he is that important to what they're trying to do on defense and they will be baby, butt soft, up the middle again against you got to play Cleveland twice. You got to play Baltimore twice. Cincinnati once more. These are teams that can get after you offensively. If you don't have Cam Hayward, if he goes down for for the rest of the season, this game, they're screwed. They're, they're not winning again. I'm sorry, but whatever they can do to preserve Cam Hayward, because they need him out there more than they need any other player on the team. He's going to benefit from it. Devin Bush. (laughs) yeah, I wouldn't have given Devin Bush a week off. I, that that's just me. I, I don't know. I don't think that uh, I don't think it matters if, if he's rested up. Um, he has to play through and play back to what we know of him. It's a great comment by Steelers' freak uh, Naji Harris. I think he probably needs a rest as well. Um, running head first in a defensive lineman after a yard down the field, I'm sure gets smarts after a while. I'm sure he's a little tired. Um, I think Anthony McFarland can help with that as well. Situationally, they don't have to use Najee as much. So I I think they can keep him rested uh, for longer. The rest will help him get back closer to where he was in week one. Uh, There there are a lot of strategic pieces that come into that, but everybody in general is going to be a little bit better uh, um, with a couple uh, days to to recuperate a little bit. Some perhaps more than others, Uh, but it's, it's a 17 game season, you know, no one's ever played that. So we're going to have to see uh, how many of them can hold up by the end. I think they they had a a good bye week in terms of the timing of it in the season and that the utilization of a lot of them, I think is going to go down a little bit more um, than what it was for, for the first part of the season. And they get to experience that coming off of a bye, which is a good thing.
0: The last thing I'll I'll ask in terms of the bye week from an offensive perspective, do you think there are, any new plays that will get inserted? Do you think the Steelers will try to figure out some ways to incorporate Claypool in the slot more? Do you think from an offensive standpoint we will see anything different or we'll see more of an expansion of some of the things that Matt Canada is trying to do now that the offensive line may be what they originally wanted it to be?
1: I think yes, but I don't think that's necessarily because of the bye week. I think you have a you have a team need uh, to get Claypool more comfortable playing more than one spot. I, I think he is their best choice to play inside. I think uh, James Washington knows uh, X routes within this offense well enough to feel comfortable putting him out there. I don't know if they feel the same way about Claypool. I think they needed some time to do that. To me, that's the only explanation for yeah. – uh, utilizing uh, Ray Ray McLeod as much as they did. I, I think the, the idea was Claypool isn't ready to do all this yet. We're, we don't need to throw it at him. Going into a buy, we have a little bit more time, which helps, but it's something they needed to do anyway uh, in the absence of Juju. So we, we will see Claypool more inside. We saw very little, uh, very simplified stuff out of him against Denver uh, in the moment. What teams want, they, teams don't want to decide stuff on the fly. Okay. I, I know that. The the cliche is, well, they drew stuff up in the dirt, you know, leading into the play. They have a plan. They want to execute their plan. All week, they're focused on their plan. You can't just change that. There are too many people involved. You've invested all of your time and your effort into this plan. You have to go with it. It, It's a ride or die type of thing. Uh, Ramon Foster said that a lot. What the plan is, is what the plan is. We can't deviate from that. Um, based on what you think that you're seeing elsewhere. It, it's, a tendency, um, it, it's a tendency-based It's a tendency thing. This is what we do well. This is what they don't do well. We're merging these two things together, and this is what we're coming up with. Um, there are situations, usually kind of uh, the, the, the extreme specialty situations, like an untimed down or it, it, the type of situation that you aren't planning for necessarily. You might draw something up based on that, but it's usually tell the quarterback to do this. Don't tell anybody else, make them act naturally to what's going on. We, we see those types of things a lot. So what I would say overall is we will see things that they plan to do. It's not going to be different as of the game itself. Um, and the, the biggest one of that is going to be Claypool inside. But what I would say, watch what Deontay Johnson does in contrast to Claypool. Those two players have not really, and I'm, Okay. Not never. They have not played next to each other on the line. Yeah. That's going to be interesting. That that's going to be interesting. Deontay Johnson needs to be comfortable with Chase Claypool inside. They run option routes, which is based on what they're seeing on the field. You get used to the guy next to you reading this and you're reading that Claypool is not used to having to do that at the depth that he's at. That affects what Deontay Deontay Johnson does. So all these things have to kind of mesh themselves together and over the bye week, you're not practicing. Coaches can write the stuff up, but the, the, the players have to get together and execute it. So you, you only have so much time to be able to do that during the week. We'll see how much of it they do, but I, I would expect Claypool to be inside a lot more than what we've seen him. And he's going to be kind of bouncing between the two, uh, probably for the rest of the season.
0: And one thing I'll add is the interesting thing is, and I've gotten this information from other guys that have played in the league, is that the word adjustments has been – can the media has has made fans understanding what adjustments mean very difficult, namely in the way that they've described what the Patriots do. They try to they've tried to imply that the Patriots install a new offense every single <laughs> week for every game At which, time. Which, which is incorrect. Which then is they drop severe, a new one at se- halftime. Exactly, which is severely incorrect. So, <laughs> and so, so yeah, that that's that, that's that's why I think fans, myself, I was confused about it until it was explained to me, and it makes sense. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's a highly choreographed dance between yeah. eleven people. You can't go out there when you've been practicing you know, Janet Jackson's pleasure principle dance routine and then ask your team to do Thriller. Just go do this. You know, know, just do Thriller on two. I mean, you just can't do that. But let's jump before we jump into the Browns game. (laughs) (laughs) Just do Thriller on two. I mean, you just can't do that. Like, it doesn't, I mean, it It, it doesn't. It's
1: hilarious to even think about that. People don't have a good sense of how much goes into a play. There are so many different things that people have to do. You can't just ask 11 people to turn on a dime. It requires a lot of work, a lot of coordination, a lot of coaching, a lot of teaching, a lot of learning. You don't just change that at halftime because, you know, Joe Sweatsock in in Section 500 thinks that you need to start doing this more. They have a plan of what they want to do. That's what they're going to do. I know that seems frustrating, but halftime adjustments are probably the most misunderstood and overused cliche in all of football. They don't adjust. They go over what their plan is and what they're seeing that that's that they don't tweak much. There's not a whole lot to change. They just, they need to know what's working and what isn't working. And from that, they go off what they have prepared to do in that game for that opponent because you can't, again, you can't just change stuff up.
0: Yeah, you can, but let's jump into, before we jump into the Browns breakdown, let's jump into Felicia's question. What's up, Felicia? And, and this is a good question in terms of the bye week because this is another player that I think hopefully could benefit from the bye. And Felicia wrote, should we just accept that Tewitt is a wash for the year? It, it's just... It, this is weird. This is going to be very interesting if Tewitt plays on, on the other half of the bye. Because it feels like if he doesn't, it feels like it could be a wash for Tewit, for, for Tewitt this year. I that at least you're calling him Tootie as a joke, or is that? I, I <laughs> think so. I mean, I'm sorry. But no, man, that's rough. Hurts.
1: Um,
0: that might be appropriate. Uh, but um, it, it, is it a wash for Toot this year? I,
1: it, at this point, I'd say yes. Um, and, I, and here's why I say that. I don't know. And I, I've said this a couple times on the show as well. Anybody who tells you otherwise that they do know is lying. Okay? Nobody knows what's happening with Toot. Nobody knew what was happening with Marquise Pouncey back in 2015, and this exact same thing happened. Every week, no update from Tomlin. No update, no update, no update. I don't know what they're holding him out for. I really don't. With Pouncey, I had heard – I was in the locker room at this point. I couldn't corroborate any of it. I had heard there was a problem with the surgery that he had. You remember uh, he, he broke – I think did he break his leg in uh, a preseason game against the Packers at Heinz Field um he was expected to be out six to eight weeks and they did not put him on injured reserve he was on the active roster and he never came back from it i had heard he had surgery that they didn't report and something happened with the surgery that required another surgery they never reported on that so they kept him out the whole time they are very very tight-lipped when it comes to injuries so i don't know just going off off history whatever it is with Stefan to it. I think there's a lot that we don't know about and we're not going to know about it. I know that it, it's mid season. They need him more than they've ever needed him. And it, he needs to be out there. If he's going to be out there, if he was able to be out there, he'd be out there and he's not. So I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you. Um, It just seems weird to me that all of this is going down. My gut would be, no, he's not, you know, just simply because it's week eight and, He's not even activated off, off injured reserve yet. So, at it, it minimum, week 11 is the first time he can appear. And Tomlin, Tomlin isn't, it, it, he's not commenting at all about what his status is. Yeah, so, that, to that's me, the I, I don't problem. think he's there.
0: And in a game like this, because um, the title of the program is He Who Controls the Ground Wins the Game. And that's an homage to Dune, He Who Controls the Spice. <laughs> controls the universe that's just an Is homage that that's to dune. from yeah that that's from dune you know i'm an egghead you know you, i grew up you with old dune. geeks you know yes with the bad <laughs> i knew Dune existed effects. i never watched it <laughs> yes they knew there, it existed uh, apparently there's an little, age gap ahead with of dune. apparently yeah, there's bit. an age gap with dune because i've asked some people that was a they ever, generation
1: thing for yeah, sure that they, they watch dune like, you watch it today it's like oh my god and like mr Tummy says
0: the I had, the, I had the
1: friends. I had the friends who's who had older brothers that had them watch Dune, and they loved it when they were kids. I would watch it. It's like, what the hell is this? You know?
0: <laughs> I think that's the general Horses feeling about <laughs> Dune in my house. I'm uh, gonna watch the new one
1: though. I saw that came out. On, yeah, you should, uh, What has it? Netflix. They have like, like a whole Max HBO, HBO Max. Some, that's it. Yeah, grab yeah. some
0: Jiffy Pop Pop and. Uh, you know the is spice must watch flow, it? like Mister Tummy said. But okay. but in speaking of to it, and it, and it plays nicely into this game because if there's any game that the Steelers need to it, they need to it in this game because when you watch Isaiah Bugs on film, mm. it, it it's when you no. saying not being gap sound, it is nice. <laughs> uh, his bit inability to be gap sound in the running game really affected the Steelers in that quarter against Seattle. Let me give you some stats, listeners, uh, about the Browns' offense. Currently, they're number one in the National Football League in rushing. They're averaging 170 yards per game on the ground in this era, which if this were 10 years ago, this would probably be 250 to 260 a game. (laughs) This is an era in which people don't run. They're also... Averaging 5.3 yards per carry, which is absolutely incredible. I mean, that's I mean, that's more than Jim Brown's career rushing average, which is 5.1 yards per carry for a career, but averaging 5.3 yards per carry is absolutely insane. And they're running it 32 times a game. Clearly, they come to every stadium. Wanting to run the football and establish the run, and when they have Chubb and Hunt, they have the best complement of running backs in the National Football League. We think they're getting Chubb back, and Chubb, in my opinion, is probably the best running back in football. This game clearly on that side of the ball, and I think he's better. Steeler Freak is saying King Henry comes to town. Uh, I, I think he's better. I think he's better than Henry. Uh, but that's just my opinion. Henry stays more healthy. Um, he stays more healthy. But when you look at the Steeler defense and the Steeler defense in terms of the run, they are giving up 107.7 per game. They're giving up, which is 12th, 4.2 yards per carry, which is 17th, and 25.3. And teams are running against them 25 times a game. How does this shake out? Because I think at least on when you look at the Browns' offense against the Steelers' defense, I think this is where the game is determined is can the Steelers stop this Browns' running game? Even if uh, Case Keenum is the starter, can they stop this running game? What's your thoughts?
1: Make sure this is on. Can they stop the running game? No,
0: they can't.
1: (laughs) Isaiah Bugs isn't gap sound. Isaiah Bugs is gap deaf. He, he can't stand up against the run in the NFL. We've seen this time and time again. Seattle has no business running on them the way they did. Uh, They're down a lot of talent. There are a lot of guys who were supposed to be in their key guys. Stefan Tooitt and Tyson Alulu are good NFL players. They need both of them in there. Hayward has, has performed miracles to do what they've done to this point along their defensive line, they're not going to be able to stop this team. I don't even remember the name of the, of the running back they threw out last week who was running all over Denver. They had no problem doing it then. Um, I, I don't see how Pittsburgh's really going to stop them, even with the fact that, that uh, both of Cleveland's tackles are hurt. Um, they're a dominant running team. And they, I'll say this. For Cleveland, what got me depressed back in the day Um, I, I, I have worked around people who know Kevin Stefanski very well. They were in the Vikings organization when he was there. They loved him. Everybody loved him. Um, he, he came like from the ground up the dudes like my age and he, he built himself up through the Vikings. Um, Mike Zimmer loved him. He was nobody. He was a a quality control coach. Five years later, he was their offensive coordinator, uh, basically handpicked by Gary Kubiak to take over there. And he's done a great job. As soon as the Browns hired him. I knew that was a problem. The second biggest problem, probably a bigger issue, but what happened second was the Browns went out and hired an offensive line coach. Uh, 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 Damn it, I blanked. Callahan. Callahan. I keep thinking Calipari for some reason. Callahan. Bill Callahan is probably not all that great of a head coach, but he is a very well-respected, very knowledgeable offensive line coach. That's the second guy they hired after Stefanski not that fat old idiot that they had on hard knocks. If any of you watch that show, an actual NFL offensive line coach who understands scheme. He understands how fits fit in with everything else. He understands how these positions basically set the tone for everybody else. The second they married Stefanski with Callahan and put Callahan's office next to Stefanski's. My thought was Cleveland's finally figured it out and they're in trouble. They, the Browns have so much cap space they have so many draft picks. It's going to be hard for them to fail. And what we're seeing now is a result of that. They're not they're not healthy at all. Keep that in mind. They, they don't have Chubb or Hunt. All right. Last week they pulled a nobody practice squad guy who ran all over Denver without two of their tackles. The when they're fully Johnson. healthy, Johnson, yeah, whoever the hell. It's some
0: dude. You're let me your give you king, let me give you the stats before we continue. Just to illustrate how good the Browns run the game. Works from a schematic perspective. Johnson ran for 22 for 146 against a Denver Bronco defense that's very good. Shut and, Pittsburgh down. And you know this is a, and this is knowing that you're going to have to run it with Case Keenum. I mean, they ran it 33 times. They averaged five and a half yards a carry. So, you know, their running game is as advertised. But continue, Neil.
1: They can run the ball. They're very good at running the ball. Cleveland has rebuilt its franchise around their ability to run the ball. They hope to be able to throw better than they are. That's one possible thing the Steelers might have going for them. Because Pittsburgh, like it or not, a a Mike Tomlin staple is they're there to stop the run first. That's what they want to do. They want to make a team one-dimensional. I don't know how much that matters against a lot of teams in the NFL, but the Browns are one of them. OK, if the Browns are not able to run the ball, they're going to struggle when whatever quarterback they have, certainly Baker Mayfield throws 45 times or more. They're not very effective if they're running the ball well. They're going to run right through you and they, they kill a lot of teams doing that. And I think Pittsburgh is, is in line for that if they're not able to stop the run against whatever running back they have out there, whatever pair of tackles they put out there, whatever quarterback is under center. And we know that because we just saw it. Pittsburgh comes off of a bye. Cleveland has a mini-bye, okay? They, they played on Thursday. They got an extra two days off. So if they're healthy, Pittsburgh's in trouble. Pittsburgh does not match up at this point of the season well with Cleveland at all.
0: Here's the one thing I think that benefits the Steelers in going up against a team like the Browns if Baker Mayfield doesn't start, is that as good as they run the ball, they're not terribly explosive. And you could get in situations where, you know, you do put if you can, if if you can play to run fairly well on first down, you may put Keenum in a position to have to execute in some third and mediums. I, I think the key down in this game is going to be how the Steelers approach Cleveland on first down when Cleveland wants to run the ball. I think that's where the rub is. For the Steeler defense, because I still think at this point in his career, Ben still is better than Case Keenum. I don't know how about how much, but I, I think you have to put the game in Case Keenum's hands and, and have to slow that running game a little and hope that Chubb is banged up to a certain extent that he's he's going to play probably, but that maybe they can put some licks on him and, and slow him down a little. But I think if Chubb gets his compliment of 25 carries plus and they're running it, you know, not 25 carries, maybe about 20, but they're running it. If they're getting 30 attempts in a running game, I don't I don't think this is where uh the Steelers want to be. Let's let's flip the coin and let's take a look at the Steelers offense against the Browns defense. I think when you look at the Browns. It's it's funny when you look at the Browns defense almost across every statistical metric like yards per point yards per game rushing yards per game rushing yards per attempt rushing attempts yards per attempt um, sacks uh, points per game is the one different the Steelers is better the Steelers pretty much are better in three d- defensive categories than the Browns and I was surprised when I saw that the Steelers are better on third down. The Steelers are ranked 12th to the Browns, 28th. The Steelers are better in the red zone. They rank 6th to Cleveland's 26th. So if you get in the red zone against Cleveland, teams are scoring touchdowns 73% of the time. The question is, when you look at Cleveland's defense, what do you think the Steelers can take most advantage of? I think the Steelers... I think their identity on offense, it's wishy-washy, but I think they want to be a running team. Uh, They want to be a run-first team, uh, get ahead of the sticks, convert third downs, slow games down, take occasional shots downfield. I don't know if they're able to run it well enough or protect it well enough against Clowney and Garrett because when you look at this Browns team, they do get after the passer fairly well. And they're pretty good against the run. They're only giving up 80.4 yards per excuse me, 80.4 yards per game, which is second in the National Football League, and only giving up three and a half yards per rush, which is second in the NFL. What route do you think the Steelers go to attack a defense that's really bad on third down and really bad in the red zone? Where do you think the Steelers can plant their flag on offense? They have to run the ball
1: for sure. Um, Cleveland's pass rush is, to put it mildly, detrimental to Pittsburgh, and has been uh, for the last couple of games that that the two of them have met. Yeah, they uh, with can't the block Garrett. I guess, that, No, Garrett has feasted on whoever they have they've put uh, in his way up to and including Mason Rudolph. Uh, we haven't talked about that at all. Have you noticed that? I thought that was kind of funny. Not. uh, not to, to to bring up a bad subject, but good old Miles Garrett. Uh, he's on a defensive player of the year pace. Uh, he, he's an outstanding player, and he always has been. He's going to continue to be that. They are not going to have an answer for him.
0: Um, and, and, and you know they're going to put him on Zach Banner. They're going to move probably, him around Yeah, yeah. trying yeah. to get they him on can do, Zach They can do
1: whatever they want with him. Um, it, he's going to eat in this game if they find themselves in third and long, third and medium. They need to get ahead of it. And to do that, you're going to need to be able to run the ball because we've seen – you can't dink and dunk all day. It, it doesn't work. After a while, they're going to need to strap on the big boy pads and rush for some yards in the early downs. I don't think they're capable of doing that. Um, that's just me. I, I haven't seen enough to really think that, but I am encouraged with the way that they have been able to mix some things up um, in, in at least their early drives in games, the last couple of games. So it, it's not a foregone conclusion, but um, top to bottom, I think – Cleveland is the better team I think they, they have a better roster if Pittsburgh's going to win the game they need to control the ball and they're going to need to be able to get on schedule with what they're trying to do this is a team that needs 11 plays to score they're not a big a big strike offense um, Cleveland probably has a little bit more ability to do that to some degree um, it, we'll see though I mean if, if Pittsburgh's offensive line can win the line of scrimmage Harris he's not a big play guy, but he can get chunk plays if they give him the opportunity to do so. He's going to have to be a big part of this though, Lance.
0: I agree. I, I agree. When you look at the fact that the Browns have 20 sacks, the Browns are they are an interesting team. I mean, statistically again, across the board, they're solid except on key downs, right? They're, they're not good on third down and they're not good in the red zone, but they do a lot of good things defensively. And when you're getting 20 sacks, I mean, I mean, it's – it's it's the beauty of this game is I, I think it's obvious. You know, he who controls the ground game wins the game. I think whoever executes better – this is an old school. Whoever runs it well and converts well on third down controls time of possession is probably going to win this game and doesn't turn the ball over. If I think we're looking at the stat sheet on Monday – or Sunday evening, and Ben Roethlisberger has thrown the ball 45 times, they probably got blown out. If you see Ben Roethlisberger with 32 attempts, and the running game has about 30 attempts, or even that magical game where it was 35-25, if you see (laughs) that where there's more run attempts in the running game, then the Steelers probably win. I think added to that, I think it's going to be really difficult for the Steelers going on the road in hostile territory as well into the dog pound and trying to pull out a win there. Let's predict the game, Neil, who do you got winning this game? Um, Give me how you think it shakes out and give me a point score.
1: I think Cleveland's going to win it. Um, I I think it'll be with case Keenum. I think they'll have enough of uh, their offense back to do the things that Pittsburgh really can't stop. And I think Cleveland, I don't think it'll be all that competitive. Um, 27-13, something like that. Cleveland just has too much. They're they're a good team. I know people hate to hear that, but they are.
0: I think Cleveland wins as well. I think it's 24-16. I I think it's, uh, you know, maybe they turn Case Keenum over, get short field, score a touchdown that way, um, and a couple of field goals. Um, I I think they're going to struggle, particularly running a football, because they haven't run it well this year. And if they get into some long third-down situations, I don't know if they can pass. Well, I don't, I don't think they can pass, protect well enough to keep Ben upright. I think it's going to be competitive, uh, you know, for a while. I think the Steelers will bow their back early and play pretty well. I think it will be a classic AFC North tough game, fall game where it's getting a little crisp. It's a little tough. Uh, so I think it's going to be a tough game. But I think it's a game where eventually uh, Cleveland pounds on them enough. Um, and, and they gradually take over the game in the second half and win 24 16. But let's switch reels. Let's jump into some other questions here. And and Mr. Tummy, uh maybe Mr. Tummy, I I'm, I'm looking at Mr. Tummy's questions, FWIW average of drives that end with TDs, Pittsburgh's 19%, uh to Cleveland's 31%. Yeah. Okay. That 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 further illustrates, I think, the point. Um, that the Steelers – I mean, the Steelers are a team that scores 19 points per game. So, you know, it's still The amount of drives team. they have isn't very high if it's 19. You know, you know, it's a team that's <laughs> minus three like and 10. a half. Yeah, I mean, it's it's minus three and a half in points. Minus three and a half because you don't know what they're
1: doing with their quarterback right now, to be honest. I, I think it stays three and a half if it's Mayfield. I think it goes up if it's Keenum.
0: Mayfield, Mayfield isn't
1: going to be right. You can't play with that injury. I think they're just dogging it along. They'll put him on injured reserve. He's going to have surgery.
0: Speaking of Baker Mayfield, this leads to, and and, and I didn't give you these, uh, Neil, because I just wanted to get your honest opinion. I wanted to surprise you a bit with some of these questions. Yes. And and, and one of the questions is why do I think the Steelers' future looks cloudy, current and post Ben? And we talked about this a little bit a couple of weeks ago when we ranked the best quarterbacks in the AFC North. And, and I think, know I think Lamar is the best quarterback in the division. You think Joe Burrow, but I think Joe Burrow gave some great evidence. I don't think he's played enough football. That's why I'm not making him better sure. than Lamar, but Joe Burrow, definitely. When you look at the way that chase and Burrow are playing the way that offense is playing, everybody owes the bungles and Zach Taylor an apology because they have put it together. And maybe Zach Taylor is a guy that, you know, like anything else, if you don't have experience being a head coach, it takes some time to figure all of that out. And it helps when you have studs like Joe Burrow and Chase. And I think the reason why the present and future looks very cloudy for the Steelers is because of Joe Burrow, (laughs) Baker Mayfield, and Lamar Jackson you're in a division with two number one overall picks and a guy that's won an MVP that's younger than Joe Burrow, who, and these guys are clearly, I think, the future quarterbacks for each of those teams. As much as I think Baker Mayfield is an inconsistent player, game to game, snap to snap, Baker Mayfield is going to be the long-term quarterback for the Browns. They're not going to start this process over. Joe Burrow looks like he's an emerging superstar. Lamar Jackson is already currently a superstar. So even moving forward this year, the Steelers for the first time that I can remember since Ben Roethlisberger has played, they have the worst starting quarterback in the division. So that means this year is cloudy, but that also means with Ben not being on the roster, in my opinion, next year, the future is cloudy as well. What's your thoughts about that question, about the Steelers' present and future looking cloudy? All I hear is the,
1: the mamas and the papas. All the leaves are brown. All the sky is gray. It, it's If you want to talk about quarterbacks right now, that's it, just depressing. Um, it, it's late October in the upper Midwest as far as the Pittsburgh Steelers are concerned at that position. Mayfield, I'm not even sure – where Mayfield is except he is vastly superior to probably every option the Steelers legitimately have for next season and with that really beyond because if it's not next season when is it you know the Steelers won't be able to really answer that question with with a, a, a good answer i don't think for a while meanwhile You've already got an MVP in Lamar Jackson. Joe Burrow is not going to be far behind. I wouldn't be surprised if that team wins a couple playoff games this year. They're really good. They, they put a lot of things together. I don't know if you watched that game against Baltimore this weekend. Oh, I did. They they kicked the hell out of that team. Oh, in the oh I half. did. John Harbaugh's team gave up with eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter. I've never seen anybody make the Ravens tap out with eight minutes to go in a game. They play in, hard for, in Baltimore. For 40 yeah, they play hard for 60 minutes. They did not. They gave up in that game. Burrow it, it, Burrow was the third best player on that field. It, it, I guess wouldn't really call it a player, but Jamar Chase, a guy that I can't tell you how many Cleveland fans yelled at me and mocked me and ridiculed me when I said Jamar Chase is going to be the fifth overall pick in this draft, and he should go higher. But Cincinnati getting him is the worst thing that's happened to the Pittsburgh Steelers and I don't exactly. know how long. Exactly. And look at, what, look at what's happening. There is absolutely no question he's the offensive rookie of the year. He's a pro bowler. He might be all pro by the end of this. Jamar Chase is a freak of nature. Just wait until he's good. He's a rookie, okay? Burrow is in his second year. Burrow just played his 17th game in the NFL. Do you realize that? 17 games. 400 yards against the Ravens on on Sunday. Um yeah, that that that's going to be a pair to fear for for quite a while. Um, the Ravens defensively, they're having problems that you don't normally think that the Ravens should have, but they've got a quarterback that can play the game pretty well. Uh, he's he's good. He can do a lot of things. He damages you a lot of ways. Um, he's he's going to be good for a while. I'd imagine. I don't see any reason why they're, they're not going to lock him up. They're going to have to. You don't let him go uh, and getting you know, rounding this around to Mayfield, who's clearly at least one step below those two, probably closer to three. You, you can't start over at the quarterback position. You just can't. It's right. difficult. It costs you years. And if you're Cleveland, you're in a window right now. They shouldn't be in the hole that they're in. They should be better than what they are. This was their year, in my opinion. And I've been saying this for, for two years for them now. It's not going to be right away. They got on the right track with Stefanski. They needed to go through what they went through last year. They had some highs. They had some lows. This is the year for them to break out. I think injuries have kind of held that down and the inconsistency coming from Mayfield. But right now as, as a Steelers guy, I take Mayfield easily. <laughs> I'd be perfectly fine if Mayfield somehow found his way to the Steelers because he is a vastly superior option to what anything else that they have. That's where the Steelers are in comparison to the rest of the division right now. That's bad. That's a really, really bad sign.
0: Let's speak the Steelers freaks comment. And this goes to, you know, us talking about Gardner Minshew as a stopgap, and this goes to Mike Tomlin, fan. and nice to have him to, right now, and this goes to Mike Tomlin it's, talking about he wants a veteran next year, and I was like, well, hell, everybody wants a veteran. I, Nobody yeah. wants to start over with a rookie unless they're the number <laughs> no one overall coach pick.
1: Wants a, wants a rookie I mean, quarterback, you know, unless, unless you Trevor get Lawrence.
0: Yeah, unless you get Trevor Lawrence or, or Joe Burrow. And also, Freak the AFC. Said, by the way, we get to deal with both of those two monsters. Ex- exactly, and, and Steelers Freak said they need to go for someone like Jimmy G as a bridge, and then take their draft oh. hunting at the QB the next few oh, years. Jesus, don't laugh at the don't laugh at the name Jimmy G. But the Jimmy thought. Garoppolo
1: sucks. I, I it, think the absolutely. thought is,
0: but he's pretty though. He's pretty. Yeah, Jimmy, he's very though. handsome.
1: He is. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that quote from Shanahan? Anytime that you get mad at him, anytime he does anything wrong, you look at him, it's just, he's so handsome. (laughs) It's just hysterical. This is true. That dude, he looks like George Clooney. He's going to be a George Clooney, like Silver Fox level guy. And it's like, yeah, you're a terrible quarterback. You make way too much money. There is a chance that you are on the Steelers next season. And what's worse, there's a chance the Steelers give up assets to get him on the Steelers next year. And it's just depressing. It's a yeah. Steelers
0: time. freak. I don't think you're way off. I, 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 the the Please thought God, no. is something God, no. that I could see happening. It may not be him, but yes, I, I, I Pittsburgh's impatient, and, and so and, and and rightfully so. When you have six Super Bowls, you, you can be impatient. But I think that might be the route. Before we get out of here, the last segment I want to jump into is just my quick rant yeah I said it and I'm just gonna say it really quickly because we're at the hour mark I hate power rankings <laughs> and just take it for that yes I said it yeah I hate it I hate power rankings fill in the blank you can probably figure out why I hate power rankings yes I hate them I hate them hate them hate them hate them hate them I hate power rankings. Before we get out of here, if you've been on a live chat, please like the program. Please spread the word. We're going to get on out of here because Neil never has anything to tease for Steelers Wire. So we're going to go ahead and <laughs> we conclude have power the rankings. Show. We have power rankings, oh, Lance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so go <laughs> to SteelersWire.com so Steelers <laughs> and check out the power rankings. You better have the Arizona Cardinals number one in the power rankings.
1: We do. We okay. do. Okay. See what happens Thursday, but they're a good team. They're a fun team.
0: Well, you know, COVID bit the Packers. Hopefully everybody's healthy. Uh, but COVID bit the Packers, ran through their locker room. Uh, so hopefully everybody's healthy over there. Uh Devontae Adams, I know, is on the COVID protocol list. He's a
1: COVID guy.
0: And I think Lazar is out
1: as well. I I yeah, Lazar is out. COVID. I wasn't sure um, that was an injury thing.
0: And so we'll see. But, we'll see what uh what Cal football does in uh Aaron Rodgers does. Cal football. Yes, Cal football my most famous alum playing football. With that, we're going to conclude the show. And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe.